0: Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ. Call Cheryl now with your questions about gardening or landscaping at 512 836 0590, pound 590 on your wireless, or toll free 1 877 590 KLBJ.
1: Well, well, well. I don't know if it gets much better than this outside right now, and it's definitely been worth waiting for. Yay. I uh, hope you've all been enjoying this. It's been a lovely break, although it is going to get back up into the ninety. But you know what? 91 feels like a cold front compared to what we were in. So I'm happy. I'm happy. I just want to see a bunch more rain coming our way, and I don't know when that will ever happen. However, as Jeff was saying, this temperature change triggers a lot of great things in plants. And that little bit of rain we got last week was beneficial. I know it perked my yard up a lot. And so today we can talk about adding plants to the garden because there's some great fall interest plants. I got a list I didn't get to last week that I'll talk about. But if you want to call or text me, use the number 512-836-0590. We also have a toll-free line, which is 877-590-5525. So again, call or text 512 836 0590 or use the toll free line, which is 877 590 5525. I noticed that my daisies have been blooming, starting to bloom in my wild daisies, bush daisies in my yard. And I've been calling them cowpen daisies, but I really started. Looking at that, and I realized that what they are is the golden-eyed daisy, Vichiera dentata. Um, It is just a beautiful bush, and it just decided to come in, you know, to my yard voluntarily, which, of course, is the best way to get stuff, really. And so uh, I've just been waiting and watching, and yep, that last little bit of uh, rain and cooler stuff, just cooler temperatures really got them going, so yay, so it got some pretty color to go with my Esperanza which still blooming its heart out, so alright, let's go to the phone lines, and uh Richard in Allendale Hey Richard, how's it going? Oh, just
2: fine. Uh, is it too late to plant beans?
1: Well, it probably is because typically we're talking about July 1st to August 15th. You could have probably pushed it a little bit um, this year since it was so hot and maybe waited and planted September 1st. I don't know. You can give it a try if you got enough and it's not a real expensive proposition. You could you could try. Okay. But Thank you. You're quite welcome. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Okay, 512-836-0590. Let's see, we got a a text here. Um, Let's see if I got the latest one on here. Okay, good morning. My lantana stopped blooming many weeks ago. Even deadheading didn't spur any new blooms. Yet the lantana on commercial properties continues to bloom profusely. Well, he says on uncommercial properties, continues to bloom profusely. So what are they doing that maybe as homeowners need to be doing as well? Thanks. Well, honestly, mine are, are blooming their heads off, and I, have just, I just neglect them, basically. Um, it may be too much water. I don't know how you're watering your lantanas. The other thing that will happen is if you look at them, if they got spider mites, You know, that means the leaves are going to look all blotchy and stuff, and they're really, really susceptible to spider mites in the real high heat. Um, That could be an issue. Um, But I think if you just leave them alone, and if you've been watering, cut that out and see if you can't get them to bloom. Because they'll bloom till Christmas, so it's not too late for them to bloom. And the other thing that will cause them to not bloom is... Nitrogen fertilizer, a lot of nitrogen. So I don't know if you've been doing that. But that's another thing I always tell people. Too much water or too much nitrogen, and that can cause things not to bloom. So, okay. Let's see. 512-836-0590. Let's go to another text. Let's see here. Uh, I live in Liberty Hill, I planted some pomegranate trees raised from my seeds in pots. They're not doing too well. I amended this soil as best I could. What can I spray on them to help them? Um, let's see. I guess you put them in the ground. And, of course, this for young, young baby plants, this would have been a really hard year. Uh, the best thing you can do, you could give them a good seaweed soaking or spray. That's always helpful to any plants make sure that those trees aren't planted too deep Um, or i don't know i can't tell are they still in the pots raised from my seed in pots i planted so they're not doing too well okay if they're still in the pots um pots get so hot it could just be that the the roots were getting too hot and that they didn't love that um but if if they're uh, full of roots in the pots, like if you see roots coming out the bottom of those holes in the pots, you ought to put them in the ground uh, because they'd be ready to go in. uh, If they filled out the pot, now, not if it's a four-inch pot, obviously, but I just need a little bit more information. Uh, No, they are in the ground, he writes. Okay. Yeah, so I think probably they're just trying to get used to real life in the ground. I bet you they start doing a lot better now that it cooled off a little bit. And um, thank you for your text. Okay, let's go to Elgin. Hey, Denise, how you doing?
2: Fine, thank you. Uh, I had called you a little bit um, about a month ago, I guess, about my lamb's ears, and you advised me to water them a little bit deeper. They were really sad looking. And so they've perked back up now. It's gotten cooler, and I've Watered them deeper, um, but there's a lot of dead leaves underneath the green leaves, and I would be inclined to take those out because they're unsightly. But the last time I cleaned them out like that, it really set them back for some reason. I don't know why, and I thought, well, maybe there's a time of the year that that works better than another time to clean out the dead leaves underneath the green leaves because they are evergreen.
1: Mm-hmm, they are. And those leaves may be acting as mulch. It might have been that they were sort of protecting the um, the root zone of the, the plant. Um, and it okay. also could be that if you pull the leaves off of the lambs ear, it could cause a little bit of a wound on the stem. Okay. And so okay. you got to make sure if they don't come off right quick and real easily, then you may want to take pruners and cut them off because it could have it been that.
2: Okay, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I, I appreciate your help
1: on that. Oh, quite welcome. Thanks for calling. Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Okay, let's see here. What do we got going on? Well, we're almost to that first break, so... I will um, hold back, but if y'all want to get in line or call in, 512-836-0590 would be a good one to call, and um, as you know, you can text that number also. So, anyway, <clears throat> we'll get this break going on. When we come back, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about some of my favorite fall plants. If I get a break here, I will do that, And um, but of course, still call if you want to, and We'll talk about whatever your concerns are, but we'll be back after this break. Thank you. Welcome to
0: The Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7 FM.
1: Okay, we are back. And you heard the numbers, but if you want to call or text, 512 836 0590. So here's a text that says, I want to try growing leeks. Seeds or starts? Is there a variety that does well here? Love your show, Jill and Bastrop. You can plant them now, and they will be ready to harvest um, probably in the early summer. And I would definitely go with starts. Um, If you you plant those big bulbs and, uh, you know, pretty much just do like when they get about eight to 12 inches tall, give them some organic fertilizer. But uh, another good tip is to mound compost up around them, like three or four big handfuls of compost around the base of them is pretty much all you need to do. Um, and as they mature, you want to keep them kind of on the dry side uh, because they'll you know they'll rot if they get too too wet. So uh, as far as the kinds of leaks, uh, you might look at American Flag. Electra, Titan. But since you live in Bastrop, I would go to AgriLife, Bastrop County, and see what your people over there have had better luck with, because it really does vary from, and your soil's real different, of course, than ours. But see what the people in in AgriLife and your master gardeners recommend. And that goes for any of y'all that wanna plant stuff uh, and you don't know which variety or cultivar is the best for your area, go to AgriLife, Travis County, or whatever county you're in, and you will get the best information you have ever seen. Um, okay. Yeah, let's see here. The, oh, good. The guy, I couldn't identify the plant, although I, uh, a guy sent me a picture last week. Uh, Jeffrey in Southwest Austin. The second picture is this week. It is called Stapelia cactus plant. Yeah, I felt like it was some kind of cactus plant. Oh, look at those pretty flowers. That's unusual. I mean, I don't know if that's a true cactus, but thank you because it has been bugging me. Um, I really appreciate that. So uh, here's another text. Have the monarchs, and other butterflies migrated through the area already. Did I miss them? You know, I haven't seen any. Ha- has anybody else? I know that they are supposedly come through here. I just didn't see any. And typically I'll see them in my uh, canyon. But if anybody has seen them, please let me know. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Roger, Northeast Austin, how's it going?
3: Good morning, Cheryl. Hey. Uh, t- two things. Uh, no, I haven't seen any monarchs, and about 10 years ago, we were coming back from the coast in the fall, and the monarchs were, mo- uh, were migrating, and we were just slaughtering hundreds of them on the front of our car, so there's the-, the sadness of what we can do to this beautiful butterfly.
1: Oh, no kidding. That's uh, Anyway,
3: hurt. I just got a question about mail-order plants. Do you know anything about that? Is it a good idea, or...
1: Uh, well, I mean, for some unusual things, like, for instance, last week a lady called about having problems with daffodils. And my favorite uh, bulb expert, Ginger Sule, she called in and she said, the best, you have to order them specifically for our zone, which is 8B, as in boy. And she uses, she said, the best catalog is old house gardens. Now, I would not order, mail order grass seeds unless they're from Texas. If you're wanting to do pasture grass or, you know, something like that, or Texas wildflowers, you definitely want to order from uh, either someplace like Native American Seed or Wild Seed Farms or King Seed, you know, one of the, the, and the or that Turner Seed in uh, Bernie, I think it is. Um, but I don't know, what do you think about ordering?
3: Uh, cacti and succulents
1: yeah that might be good the only caveat there would be make sure if you're thinking it's going to be an outdoor plant you need to make sure that it's winter hardy
3: uh, everything I grow is uh, indoors so I do indoor plantscapes
1: oh okay yeah well then I would I would definitely uh, think that would be fine
3: I say I got plants cactus growing outside because they like the sun, but uh, most of my stuff, I'm trying to go into a a low-light type of succulent because it's a little easier on me, and I just don't have a light inside my house, and I don't have a greenhouse set up for them, so I'm just trying to do the best I can with what I got. Yeah, Uh, I'm retired, and this is a hobby of mine, and I've got like 100 plants in my house right now, but I want 200.
1: (laughs) You're just like Kevin used to be, my late husband. Oh my God, he never met a plant he didn't want to own.
3: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if it sticks me and uh, grow, grows in the desert, I think I want it.
1: Oh, uh, well, good luck with that. I, I yeah, I, so I think you. And let me know how it goes for you because uh, I could spread the word to others that have that interest.
3: Okay, I definitely appreciate it. Thank hey, you, Cheryl. Yes, sir. Thank you Bye-bye. for calling.
1: Okay, let's go to uh, Jeffrey. Hey, Jeffrey. How's it going? Hey, young lady, how are you? Good, good, good. I'm so perky now that the weather's cool.
2: <laughs> well, good. Um uh thanks for sticking with me on that picture. It it when it bloomed, I was I was really surprised what it looked like. We oh, had no. to check on that, find out what that actually was. So one of my wife's friends told us what it was, so but it's an indoor plant, but we keep it outside. So
1: You probably um, had to bring it in for winter, though, I would think.
2: Actually, I just stuck it in a greenhouse.
1: Oh, well, you got a greenhouse. That, yeah.
2: Well, okay. it's one of those little pop-up portable ones and, you know, if it gets really really cold, I put a little heater in there and go from there. But I, I wanted to ask you about milkweed because I'm <clears throat> I'm interested in planting the the natives and I'm just I know since you used to kind of grow stuff, is this really can I put the seeds I need to go get some, but I mean, do is this the time to put the seeds in the ground for spring or do I need to wait until um
1: early Later. early spring. Well, there's, there's two ways of thinking about this. One is that whenever they go to seed um, naturally in the wild is a, a good time for you to plant them. And, they, and there's different times for different ones. Obviously, the ones that are still blooming are going to put their seeds down in the fall. But they don't really germinate in the fall. They do winter right. over and then they'll germinate. So the other way of thinking about that is, well, if I just leave them there, they're going to get eaten by birds and ants, and or washed away if we get a gully washer. Uh, so I just wait till, you know, probably early March and stick them in the ground. Or you could go ahead and start them if you have that little greenhouse thingy. You might try starting the seeds in, you know, in little pots.
2: Well, if I do that, the problem is the greenhouse is pretty full because the uh, I have a rubber tree that I keep outside that I've mm-hmm. kept kind of pruned down, but it takes up quite a bit of it. So it's just even in, in the little shelves, it's kind of like, okay, where do I put it with all the other stuff? But I I just wanted it to stay away from the tropical, um, the the tropicals milkweed, and just try to do the natives, and that's why I was just trying to see what was really the best time. But I may put some in some little trays and try those in the greenhouse this year, and then I'll save some seed and maybe do them, uh, I guess, maybe early early March or something like that.
1: So. Well, that, that's, yeah, and if you're going to go with seed, that's probably the best way to do it. You, obviously, you could go and buy the plants right now and put them in the ground. And okay. Go ahead and get them established if you want to start with plants. Uh, and but, I guess
2: that's really what I was trying to do was trying to get stuff established, you know, this time of year versus the other. But I'm, I may check out at the natural gardener and see if they've got any of the non-tropical the yeah. milkweed and see what happens. You know, but,
1: that, that's there's a lot of controversy about that uh, the the tropical milkweed being bad. And uh, I've read up on it. You probably have, too. It's, it's, it is it's kind of controversial. There's a couple of different ways of, of looking at the... Uh, benefits versus the the problems but a lot of people will tell you to go ahead and if you have the tropical they love the tropical but right. you're supposed to cut it down now you know while they're migrating well, through
2: yeah cuz I was kind of looking at the uh, the green and the antelope before because they were natives I just thought that it'd be easier and they would come back every year you know that type of mm-hmm, thing mm-hmm. and that's that's kind of the reason I was kind of steering I had some tropicals that I got from a lady and I transplanted them. She was cleaning hers out and I transplanted them and they came back pretty well. But it was just one of those things of, you know, even trying to control the aphids on those, it was was kind of
1: Oh, they are uh, definitely, they're, there's nothing you can do about it either. They are aphid um, bait plants, if you will. I mean, if right. like if you want to plant a rose bush out there where you're deer hunting... If you want to. Yeah. yeah. You know. so, <laughs> so Okay,
2: well thanks and, and sure. I'm I, I'm glad we have got to find where that plant was. It's it's really kind of pretty. It, it, it doesn't pretty. stink as bad as what they say it does, but it does doesn't have a it doesn't have a real sweet
1: smell to it on that <laughs> on that it's cactus, Pretty pretty so. color. I kind of like that color. That, yeah, Okay. Uh, well, Thank all right. you so much for the show. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. All right, time for the news. We'll be back. <laughs>
0: Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590
1: AM and 99.7 FM. Okay, we're back. And if you want to join, 512 836 0590 is the call or text number. And I will now get to some of these texts. Hi, any suggestions on my oaks and cedar elm huge roots popping up from the ground? possibly from the drought, to protect from mowers. Can I just cover with mulch and decompose granite or white granite uh, covers? I would stick with just the mulch. Um, the granite can, uh, you know, plants are going to go right through the granite, which is fine, but your main thing you want to do is make it not a grass area for, you know, your if you have a maintenance company or something that comes in and and plants and that is a very good question because those roots those those are big anchor roots and they can be damaged and can really hurt your tree if they're constantly hit with mowers and stuff so i would just do a good mulch all around the root zone and just keep the mowing away from those roots that way i mean you know, decomposed granite, it doesn't stay where you put it if you have any kind of a slope. It's not necessarily a bad idea. It's just not as easy to manage as, say, just good old native Texas mulch, for instance, would be. So that would be my vote if it was just me. Okay, I, here's another one. I have purple irises whose tops died in the summer heat. Any chance they're still alive. I want to move some of them but don't want to bother if they're dead. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I don't know because they naturally will take all the nutrition from the green leaves after they're done blooming. The green leaves will slowly but surely turn yellow all the way back down to the base. And so that's a good thing because then the nutrition goes back into the bulb. But you could move them now. And I think what you're going to have to do is just dig one up and see if you still have a, f- a firm, healthy bulb underneath there. Um, the main thing that kills an iris like that one is too much water because they'll rot if, if they stay too wet. They're very drought resistant. Um, but I think I'd go ahead and just dig, dig a couple of them up and see if the bulbs are still good and healthy. They won't be mushy. You know, they'll have some uh, attention to them. You know, you feel like what a good bulb would feel like. Okay. Uh, here's another text. Hello, can you tell me how and when to plant ryegrass successfully? My backyard is fairly large and has mostly clover-like ground cover and weeds. Do I need to do prep work first? I'm debating doing the work myself versus paying a gardener. Yeah, you want to you wanna plant ryegrass. I'd say, you know, it needs to be cooler than now, not still 90. We need for the uh, temperatures to cool off. So I'd say maybe late October into November. And it would be very helpful if you would rake the areas. Even if you don't have to necessarily get rid of all those other plants. But just like any seed, it's got to have good soil seed-soil contact. So raking the area is, is a good way to just sort of rough up the soil, creating little furrows and, and places for the seed to rest. Um, and you, I would go with what they call perennial rye because it's a neater, nicer, little, shorter rye, but it's not really perennial. N- none of them are. Annual rye is not, and neither is perennial rye. Um, and your clover-like ground cover is a good nitrogen-fixing plant, so you, you want to try to keep that. Um, and the, the main reason to plant rye is to hold the soil into place and provide a good uh, cover for the winter and, you know, a green yard. So, yeah, I'm all for it. But I think it's a little too early. That's just me. Okay. My tree is doing great. You are a nice lady. Thank you. I'm not sure what I told you, but I'm glad your tree's doing great. Hi, really enjoy your program. Can never remember which rye grass you recommend, perennial or annual. Thank you. Thank, uh, well, you just heard me. Hopefully you're listening. It's the I like the perennial one. Not that it's actually perennial, but, you know, it's a neater looking little old thing. Okay, good morning. I'm planting some compact cherry laurel and wanted to know the best way to get it established before it gets a lot colder. Well, I don't know what size they are, but you just want to make sure you give it a good soaking um, every, you know, week or so. Uh, It's good to have about two inches of shredded hardwood like I, I use that native Texas mulch. Put that around it. Um you know, some people will throw a handful of rock phosphate in the bottom of the hole. Some people will drench after they plant with liquid seaweed drench. You cannot go wrong with that. Um so yeah, they're very hardy. I mean they're made off a of native plant, so you don't have to do too too much. What you don't wanna do and this goes for everything, uh is putting you know, compost deep in the hole because if it's not fully composted, it's going to decompose and cause anaerobic decay. So you just mix your amendments. There's no soil. There's no oxygen exchange below about six inches of the soil. So any anything you just back backfill with the soil you dug out of the hole, um, and then the top, you know, few inches. That's where you could add some compost, mix it in with the soil, and Uh, You can also buy these really good planting mixes, right? Like they've already got compost and everything in them um, from soil places. So that's pretty much all you have to do. And just make sure they don't get too dry. But if we're getting regular rain, you don't have to really water a a bunch. That's from my personal experience. So would you plant a rainbow Eucalyptus tree in central Texas. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get back from this last break. See you in a minute.
0: Welcome to the Austin Gardener with Cheryl McLaughlin on News Radio KLBJ, 590 AM and 99.7
1: FM. Okay, we are back. 512 836 0590, call or text. Uh, Here's uh, a—I just have a couple more texts, and then I'm going to talk about my favorite fall interest plants. But this one says, um, would you plant a rainbow eucalyptus tree in central Texas? No. It is native to the wet tropics, Um, and it would not—it's not cold-tolerant. It's a, a, you know— Go to Indonesia, you'll find it there, um, you know, places like that. But it is not a, It's not going to grow in central Texas. Um, yeah, I know. It's, it's tempting, isn't it? You know, and I'm a big fan of experimenting, but I don't think you'd, you'd have much luck with this one. You'd have, A, we don't even have enough water to put on it. It's got to be water two or three times a week. I mean, hello, wet tropics. Uh, let's see here. Um, I have 18 mammoth jalapenos growing and blooming and setting fruit like crazy. Over 250 medium-sized peppers collectively. Now I'm challenged by something chewing the leaves. Do I need to apply some more BT after the rain? Yeah. I mean, if it's caterpillars chewing the leaves, a lot of things chew leaves, but probably caterpillars. It won't last long if it is uh, caterpillars, but if it's some other kind of bug, it'd be best if you could try to catch them in action, you know, try to figure out exactly what is eating the leaves of the peppers. Uh, And if you don't see it during the day, It could be something that's happening at night, so you gotta wait till it's real, real dark and go out there and with a flashlight and uh, look up under the leaves, see if you catch something. But yeah, BT um, for caterpillars would be a good thing if that's what it is. I mean, it doesn't really hurt anything else, so yay. Okay, now. want to go to my list of interesting fall plants because like if you're going to go to some place like the natural gardener hill country water gardens you know barton springs nursery leaf any of the, the locally owned places um they're going to probably have some of this stuff and my main color plant for fall is always going to be flame leaf sumac it is just a reliable blast of fall color it's not an investment-type plant. It's a fast-growing, uh, large, you know, shrub-slash-small tree. And, but it, every year, will get the most beautiful fall color you have ever seen. Another non-native that I love is oakleaf hydrangea. That gets such pretty fall color. And I, I know I've got listeners here that send me pictures of theirs, and they're just so pretty. But oak leaf hydrangea is a really good plant, landscape plant for here. And it grows in the shade, too. Um, Probably my other all-time favorite would be the white mist flower. Now, I have seen monarchs on this. I've seen monarchs on evergreen sumac, which is another one on my list. But the white mist flower uh, that blooms in the fall around here is just a beautiful plant. And it's lightly fragrant. Butterflies love it. So, again, evergreen sumac on my list. Copper Canyon daisy, again, not a native, but a really great big old bush that blooms. that Deer don't need it. Uh, Mexican bush sage, you know, who doesn't love that? Big, tall, spiky purple, you know, blooms and goes just so pretty with some of the other things that are blooming in the uh, fall, I love a fall aster, a Mexican mint marigold. Now that's so pretty. You do a a planting of like Mexican bush sage, Mexican mint marigold, which is yellow, of course, fall aster, um, Gulf muley, which is on my list also. If you have not had a Gulf muley, that's the most beautiful grass we have you know just very delicate beautiful purple blooms um and this sedum I love autumn joy sedum is such a great bloomer for fall uh you just got to have one and of course gay feather uh gay feather you just don't see him in the wild enough anymore but gay feather also known as liatris um native plant here it's a grown, it's like a corm like a bulb plant um Definitely get one of them, if not 50, in your yard. They're so great. Uh, and then sunflower, Maximilian sunflower. That's the one that blooms up and down these tall stems. Um, and you'll see it in the wild this time of year, and you'll be like, what's that? Because it looks a little different than a regular sunflower. But Maximilian sunflower um, is beautiful here. And then another one that I, I love um, is goldenrod and it's, it doesn't cause allergies. Um, that's just a myth. Uh, but goldenrod, we have five different species here in Central Texas, including a dwarf uh, variety. But I just love it, and it blooms so pretty in the fall. So definitely check out goldenrod. Okay, let's hear one more text here. It says, I have tried to grow native wilk milkweed from expensive nursery plants and they all failed. But the tropical has never failed. Huh. I wonder what's, what's the problem. You know, the, uh, something that we forget about is that when you're growing in a nursery situation, um, you've got to have a very uh, porous soil. It's got to drain very well. And once you get it home and you get it into the ground, uh, it's got to get used to real life, right? It's got to be able to put its roots out. Um, and a lot of times they're very drought resistant. I mean, you've all seen them growing right out of caliche on a you know an old roadbed. bed. Uh, so we may be over overdoing it, which would make kind of sense because tropical milkweed, hello, tropical, it's going to take a little more water um, than that. But I'm guessing that it may have been just, it didn't get established properly. Um, But, so I'm not sure, but I'm glad you had good luck with the tropical. Uh, Let's see, for your previous caller, most, but not all, caterpillars slightly fluoresce under a black light. You can get an inexpensive one from Amazon, often sold as something to detect or find pet urine. What a great idea. And if I, were, if I had a growing operation the size of that with all those jalapenos and something was eating them, <clears throat> you could go out there at night with a black light and you might be able to catch those caterpillars in the act right I'm not sure which caterpillars love the peppers uh, the most that would be an interesting thing to to find out but you know again most of these things are transitory you know they have a short life they come through they eat they make your leaves look ugly but they typically don't kill the plant right they just eat and then they're gonna you know go make a cocoon somewhere so Uh, However, if you're doing this for, you know, in a professional situation, you can't afford to have something mess you up that badly. Okay, folks, well, thank you so much. Just about out of time here. Get out to your nurseries. Get you some fall interest plants. Finally, we can play around out in the yard again and just watch everything bloom and so pretty. And thank you so much for all your good input and your good questions. Kevin Wood Landscapes dot com if you got a project to do. Thank you again. See you next Sunday.